looks like we're good for the next part of our session here. We have Neil on the line. Neil, are you on the line? All right, there he is, great. So we're gonna hear one more time from Neil. Uh, hope you guys are excited, I know I am. So uh, Neil, just share with us what you got. Okay, thanks Dave. Uh, boy, thanks to the worship team too. That was really good. Thanks for uh, thanks for the way you guys have been leading in this time. That's been uh, that's been fun. Hey, so today, as I'm talking with you guys, um, there's some things. Um, you know, this afternoon, there's some things I'd like to do a little different. You know, I mean, um, if if we could, I know we can't, but I'll tell you, if I had my preference, what we would do is we would be able to sit there and kind of. Uh, look one another in the eye and and chat about some things and and uh get some feedback from you and uh just some questions i have now i'm going to continue to ask the questions and i'll tell you why in just a minute but i also feel like this is probably good because i feel this is really the god ordained uh median that we should be working in right now i mean honestly um i have not always uh felt that way, sometimes things would fall apart and I would think, what in the world? But one of the things in walking with God over the years is I've realized, you know what? God is well aware of every bit of that. You know, Psalm 115.3 says, our God is in the heavens. He does whatsoever he pleases. So God is not unaware that, uh, you know, we were gonna have this meeting. He wasn't unaware of any of this. So I'm sure he's gonna be able to use it. Let me tell you something. I want to do as we get started today. Um, I hope that is, as we talk today, one of the things that will happen is you'll be able to better decide. You'll kind of gather some facts, put some things together, and hopefully you'll be able to better decide, do I really want to be a laborer? Is that what, you know, yeah, I'm crystal on that's what God wants us to be about. I'm crystal on, you know, that's kind of, you know, his plan and purpose. But you know what? Do I want to do this? And so hopefully you'll be able to uh, have a more definite on that. I was just chatting with a guy this weekend who was asking this girl out. And he told me, he said the first time he asked her out, there were some things going on. And he wasn't really sure. And so he decided he'd come back and clarify. When he came back to clarify, she said, yeah, you know, I I really think of you as a friend. And, you know, guys, you've all heard that. You know, I really think of you as a friend. And he said, but, you know, as we talk, he said, one of the things that I was so glad for was I got a clear no rather than a vague maybe. Now, men and women, I would submit to you that, you know, God doesn't like vague maybes. He doesn't like, you know, oh, I might consider that one of these days on down the road. You know, what he really wants you to do is, is to come to some definiteness as you think about some things. So in getting there, what I'd like us to do, I'd like us to talk for a minute and recap a few things. One, the need for laborers. You know, first of all, you know, Jesus's solutions to the problems he witnessed in the world was laborers. When you look at the people that Jesus mentions there in, in Matthew chapter nine, those people flocked to Jesus. They loved to be around him. And one of the reasons they did was when 
they were around Jesus, they saw someone who for the very first time really cared about them. They saw someone who befriended them. They saw someone who accepted them. They saw someone who served them. They were not used to that at all. And when Jesus gave us his solution to those hurting people and to the hurting people we see around us today, I want us to be really crystal clear on what he was saying. His solution that was needed was this, laborers. Now, those who have the same kind of heart for others that he has. And by laborers, I mean those who are willing to love, who are willing to share the good news of the kingdom, and who are really willing to share their lives with others. Those who are willing to really get their hands dirty. Now, I, I don't know what kind of background most of you grew up in. I, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma when I was uh, younger. And um, when I was in high school, one of my friends told me he had this great money-making opportunity for us. He said, uh, you know, you ought, to, you ought to come work with me. And I said, oh, great. What are you doing? He goes, baling hay. Well, that sounded really cool. You know, baling hay. I'd never done something like that. And so he says, yeah, you ought to come do it. And he said, you know, it'll, it'll pay us pretty good. I think we made like a nickel per bale that we lifted or something like that. You know? So, I mean, boy, we're just tearing them up. And I'm sitting here in my mind thinking, oh, my gosh, we can lift thousands of bales every day. We'll probably, I mean, we will be Rockefellers by the time this is over. And so I, I jump in there with him and, and um, we go out and the very first morning I show up and there is this long flatbed truck that is there. And there's all of these bales of hay that are beside the road. And this truck was driving down the road. And our deal was we had these two metal hooks that had little handles on them and we had those. And we would go over and he would show me, he would pick up part of one bale and then grab it with the other. And then we would pick them up about, you know, right about our heads and set them on the bed of this truck. And then there was somebody that was on the bed of the truck that was stacking these as we were going along. Well, you know, we were strapping young football players back in the day and, you know, doing this seemed like, oh man, piece of cake. And it was a piece of cake for about the first 10. The problem was they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bales of hay. And I'll tell you what, as we went on laboring out there, I mean, by the end of, of you know, pouring sweat, you're just worn out, you're dirty, you're dusty, and you realize, you know, he came by one time, his his dad, he goes, how you guys doing? And we're like, ah, ah. And he goes, cheer up, you're just getting started. And I thought, oh, that's a real encouragement. And, you know, we kind of sat there for a minute, we went along, and I look over at Keith, this guy that I'm working with, and I thought, man, he doesn't seem like he's near as worn out. And why is this? And I look at him, he goes, oh, this is just what we do. And for him, as he explained, you know, they do this every single year. They just come in when it's harvest time, and they're just in there. They're just bailing the hay. And it's just what they do. You know, that's the mentality God wants us to have as laborers. 
It's like, you know what? Other people may do other things, but this is just what we do. It's hard. It's not easy all the time. It's, it's, it's work. But, you know, this is just what we do. Now, when Jesus was thinking about this thing of labors, let me tell you what he wasn't thinking about. He wasn't necessarily thinking about people with a title at all. In fact, when Jesus was speaking to these people that were hurting right there, and he was speaking to his followers, the number of religious professionals that were around were off the charts. I mean, they had so many priests that were there in the temples at the time that, you know, they only served like one time a year because there were so many of them. I mean, the number of religious professionals, the staff people, everything else, so, so many of them. And yet the needs weren't really being met. One of the things you'll find is this. You can be a full-time religious professional and not have the heart of a laborer. See, what Jesus was talking about there, he wasn't saying the solution for the world is more staff. He was saying the solution for the world is we need more laborers. We need more laborers. And then secondly, we looked a little bit the first day at, well, why is it people don't labor? Why is that? And we and we talked about sometimes, you know, they 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 don't like it because it doesn't have a title. I mean, it's uh, it's really hard work. You know, they look at it and they're like, ah, labor, that seems so pejorative. It seems so common. And it is. You know, that's what Jesus was saying. It's very common. Another reason, you know, is it's hard. We just talked about that. It's hard. Another reason the enemy really tries to step in and work against things. I mean, I, I guarantee you. I could tell you guys for about 30 minutes all the technical difficulties we've had on this end just trying to talk about this subject, you know, and I've got guys here that, I mean, they they do this for a living and they can't figure out some of the technical difficulties. And finally, it hit me earlier today, you know, the enemy does not like when we are working on things that are important, like labor. He really would like to put a kink in that. And so I thought, well, you know, that's fine. We'll just pray against that and move forward. But, you know, that's another reason the enemy opposes it. A lot of times we have the wrong focus. We've talked about that. And other times it's because we just flat out don't pray enough about it. So then we looked. Thirdly, we looked at what is the work of a laborer? What is labor supposed to do? Now, I know I can't see you there, but I want you to think, what is the goal? Do you remember? What is the goal? that Paul laid out for us, the goal of labor. It's found in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. It's helping a person from wherever they begin to move towards maturity in Christ, where they in turn can reproduce that in the life of someone else. That's the goal. And then Paul was crystal clear not only through his words, but through his example of this is the job description of a laborer. You love people, you share the gospel, you share your life. Getting close enough to few enough that you can really make an impact. And so 
what I would like to do in the remainder of our time is really this. It's really simple. I would like to ask you some questions, actually eight. So now you'll know if we get through. I'd like to ask you eight questions for you to consider. And in these questions, what I want you to do is I want you to think, and I want you to think about the wisdom of God in having labors. I want you to think about what good night, what a great plan this is on, on the part of God. And so, you know, the first question, in the world today, there are north of 7 billion people. 7 billion people. Now, I want you to think for a minute. How in the world did we get 7 billion people in the world? Now, for some of you, you think, is this going to be one of those talks? No, this isn't one of those talks. You know, I'm not, we're not going to talk about how we actually physically got 7 billion people in the world. But I will tell you this. You know what? 7 billion people in the world, that didn't happen, you know, just overnight. <clears throat> and that was one of those things that a lot of people had a hand in it. You know, 7 billion people in the world. So I want you to think about that because we're going to come back to that. Second question, I want you to think about how in the world do you reach 7 billion people with the gospel? How do you do that? I mean, you know, let's say, let's say that, you know, one of the guys up there says, hey, I've got this great idea. You know what? I just feel like every time I stand up to speak at, you know, Chico um, at Challenge that, man, you know, people are going to respond. And so you say, yeah, you know, boy, it sounds like a good idea. And let's say, you know, let's say Jacob has this idea. So, you know, Mr. Willebeck Lemaire steps in there and he says, hey, you know what? Let me do this thing. I've got it, you know. And so he steps up and he starts sharing. And man, everybody is just excited beyond belief. They are just like, oh my gosh, this golden throat, I don't think I've ever heard anyone quite like him. And you know what? Out of a crowd of 100 people there, at least 10,000 people commit their lives to Christ that night. Now, you know what? That's fairly impressive, especially out of a crowd of 100. But, you know, let's say that, you know, 10,000 people from a crowd around there. And then they all go home and tell their friends. And you know what? They come back. And the next week, Jacob stands up again and he starts speaking 10,000 more step into the kingdom. Now he's having to take time out to do all the interviews for all the different places that are saying, wow, how in the world did this happen? You know, people are wanting him to come around and speak at things because, I mean, that's impressive. You know, I mean, 20,000 people in two weeks, but it, it doesn't stop there. He goes on and does that for an entire year. And I mean, just one after another, after every week, 10,000 people step into the kingdom. How long do you think it would take to reach 7 billion 
people in the world with Jacob stepping up with 10,000 every week. Let me tell you this, well over about 50 to 60 of Jacob's lifetime. It's just not gonna happen. And you begin to think, we're gonna need two staff people, Sherry. Maybe we'll get 20,000, you know, it's not gonna happen. I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But I want you to see something else. Third question, I don't think anybody that played a part in those 7 billion people being in the world today, I don't think any of them had a thought like, you know, if I don't have 30 or 40 kids, I'm really a slacker. I'm really not pulling my weight. I don't think anybody thought that. So my question for you, what do you think they thought was expected from them? What do you think they thought was expected from them? Now, what I would submit to you, men and women, is that most of them thought, you know what? I just need to do my part. I mean, for some of them, they were like, hey, I'd like to do my part, you know, four or five times. Others thought, you know, I'm kind of a, uh, you know, do my part a few times, you know, I mean, others were, you know, oh, good night, eight to 10 are fine. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. You had people with all sorts of thoughts, but you know what? All of them, they thought, I just need to do my part. Fourth question. I want you to think, how do you see the brilliance of God in the concept of just laborers. How do you see the brilliance of God in the concept of just laborers? You know, what I would submit to you, I really wished I could open this up for hearing your answers to that because I think there's so many ways. But one of the ways I would submit to you is, you know what, when you see that you see, boy, there is room for everybody at the table. In fact, God has a job for every single one of us in laboring. Now, our son-in-law and daughter, our our daughter is the uh, uh, oldest of our kids. We've got one girl and three boys, and our daughter's the oldest. Um, she actually got married after her three brothers did, you know, and so uh, they have, have had three kids fairly quickly you know they had uh, two beautiful little girls and they just about a year ago had a beautiful little boy and they found out about uh, several months in that it looked like their little boy was going to have down syndrome and you know what he does and he is a beautiful kid i mean he is a sweet kid and they know all of the uh, problems and all of the uncertainties that they're going to face. I mean, they're well aware of that. But, you know, I think one of the things I began to think of when when I learned that, I thought, you know, I wonder how he'll do. I wonder, you know, how he'll 
adjust and I wonder how people will treat him. And I wonder, you know, will he be able to find his place? Will, will he be able to find his way? And one of the things that happened, I, re, I thought back to my college days. There was this guy named Pat. And Pat was a, uh, he was a college age guy, just like us. Pat went to our church. And um, he started going to our church because someone went around and someone that lived in his neighborhood, just a common, ordinary businessman, had met his family, had befriended them. And in sharing with the family, they shared with Pat. And Pat ended up coming to Christ. Now, Pat also had Down syndrome. But Pat would show up for church every week. And, you know, I would see him and he would come up and hug me and he would say, isn't it great that we get to tell people about Jesus? I'd say, yeah, it is. And he'd say, you know, I have gotten to share with several people this week. And literally every week to two weeks, Pat would bring someone with him to church that he'd led to Christ. And I would sit there and think, what in the world? I mean, this guy's like getting after it. You know, I mean, what is going on? But, you know, it gave me such a picture because I think before I met Pat, you know, I, I would have probably thought, well, you know, um, I mean, we need to we need to be nice, obviously, to people. But I mean, you know, what is that person going to be able to do? But, you know, in the wisdom of God, he says, all I want you to do is your part. All I want you to do is your part. You know, there was a part that God had for Pat to play. And there's a part he has for you to play and a part he has for me. And so the wisdom of God, the brilliance of God in this thing is, you know what? Everybody has a part to play. So the fifth question. How many Christians do we have in the world today? How many Christians? I mean, if we, you know, one of the key things a leader needs to do is to be able to define reality. And you know what? When you look around, you need to know what's the starting point for us. Well, now, if you, you know, count everybody in the world that might claim, you know, the name of Christ, you'd have maybe a little over 2 billion people. Most people conservatively say, though, 1.2 billion followers. 1.2 billion followers. So we'll just go with the low end. We're just going to think low end on this thing. Now, what percentage do you think of those 1.2 billion followers, what percentage do you think of those are laborers, those who are equipped and motivated and intentional about being laborers? You know, what, what percent? Let's say it's less than 50. In fact, if we're real honest, probably less than 25. In fact, let's just say for the record, it's 1%. Out of 1.2 billion people 
only 1% of them are really labeled. 1%. Now, let me ask you this. Let's say if each one of those 1% labored to develop, you know, somebody who was a long ways away from Christ into a labor. And let's say that it took them three years to accomplish that. Okay? Three years. Now, you can get on board with that three years. I mean, that's quite a while. You've got a, you've got a good long ramp. So, you know, three years. And then at the end of that three years, each of them who were equipped and motivated turned around, began to work with two more people, and they continued that process. The 1% reproduces over a period of three years. And at the end of that three years, all of that 1% and all of those that they built into reproduce. How long now would it take to reach 7 billion people if we did that? Now, some of you may be looking and thinking, well, I'll tell you what, if Jacob wasn't getting any traction with 10,000 a week, we're probably not going to get much traction here. Well, let me just tell you, the answer is this, just north of 30 years. Just north of 30 years. Now, you may ask yourself then, well, wait a minute. <laughs> if we can get that done in 30 years and we're looking at, you know, we're looking at the at the bottom side. I mean, we're thinking it's only one point two billion and we're thinking it's only one percent of the one point two billion are labors. If if that's the facts. Why aren't we making more progress? Well, men and women, I would submit to you, it is exactly because of what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We really need to decide, you know what? Am I going to just know about laboring? Or am I going to decide, kind of like Keith did about bailing hay, that, you know, well, that's just what I do. I mean, other people may have other assignments in the kingdom, but you know what I do? I, I labor. I just come right alongside someone and help them walk towards maturity. That's what I do. So the next question, number seven, why be a laborer? Why be a laborer? And I think, you know what, you guys could, uh, you guys can probably come up with many reasons to why. But I, for our time, let me just give you the answers that I think Jesus did there in Matthew 9. One of the reasons is the harvest is plentiful. I mean, God has already been working and preparing the hearts of a lot of people to begin to walk towards him, to begin to know him, to be part of his kingdom. So one of the very first reasons why to be a laborer, the harvest is plentiful. Good night. They're everywhere. And the second reason is the other thing that Jesus said in the same verse. The laborers are few. 
And so what I would encourage you is join up. Join up. You decide there amongst yourselves that, hey, you know what? What if we do this? In fact, not only what if we do this, what if we do this together? What if we just decide we're going to be laborers and we're going to learn to do that and we're going to do that the rest of our lives? I'd encourage you to do it. And the last question. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, the question I'd have for you, men and women, is this. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to give your life to? I mean, for some of you right now, if present behavior is indicative of the future, what you're going to give your life to is Netflix. For others of you, you know, it's uh, being busy and running from this thing to this thing to this thing to this thing. For others, it's going to be, you know, really beginning to take steps to move forward, to be a labor within the kingdom. What I would encourage you is this. As you think through that, think, what would you give your time to that would have any more significance and any more satisfaction and any more impact on the world than that of being a laborer? I'd submit there's not. So let me pray for us, and I'll turn it back over to Dave. Lord, would you capture us with the very thing that captured your heart? When you looked on these crowds, you saw that they were distressed, they were hurt, they were helpless. You had compassion. And your solution, Father, for all of the hurt, was we need labors. Pray for labors. Lord, I pray amongst this group right here, they would not only pray for labors, I pray they'd sign up to be those. Just as the ones in the first century did that turned the world upside down the first 300 years. God, may that be true of this generation as well. We pray that in Jesus' name.